Zach on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. have to think about it. It is right here. It is right now. Love so strange. Said you never know. How you doing today? James Marillac. I am doing great, Zach. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. I am fired up and ready to go. I love it. That's that, that's that's usually the version I get from you. I try to bring that version yeah. every time I'm in here. Yeah. Well, uh, um, as always, uh, happy that you're here. Um, uh, Stoke out today. I know we'll have uh, plenty of uh, respectful discourse, maybe some even disrespectful discourse. Maybe we'll see how it goes. <laughs> to a version of James and 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 myself, we get today on a on a Tuesday. Um, did you take in the game last night in what I referenced on Twitter as a dad strength game? You know what I mean by dad strength? Yeah. Yeah. It's like like the young and you got and you got a couple young bucks. And, I do, and they might be able to go in the weight room and actually lift more weights and like technically on paper be stronger. But I have a feeling if you were to wrestle with one of your boys and you really you know put your full gusto behind it, dad strength would kick in and you'd ultimately be able to get over. Yeah, no, I'm I'd, I'd like to think that, but I know exactly what you're talking about. My my dad is 75 years old. 75, 76, mid-70s. And I think to this day, if I decided, you know what, I think I'm going to go ahead and and push this a little bit, (laughs) I would regret that decision. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, Nuggets did sort of have one where it was, oh, you want to mess with us? Okay, we're just going to wrestle this thing right out out from under you. Kind of had no business winning it. Not really, kind of. Really did have no business winning it. Trailed for like 90% of the game. Yeah, I think they took like a, what, 75-72 lead that lasted eight seconds, and then they trailed the whole rest of the game. Down seven pretty late in the game. It was like a a minute or maybe 90 seconds left. It felt like, yeah, Yeah. I I don't know specifically, but yeah, down seven with like a a minute or two left. Every big shot they made, uh, they were able to get to the line, which was, to me, that's good execution. That's playoff-type basketball. And and then let's face it, and look, it, everybody in Nuggets Nation, and rightfully so, likes to point out those final two-minute reports that the NBA puts out, and it always seems like, oh, man, Nuggets got jobbed. Shocker. We all knew that as we were watching it. Last night, they all went the Nuggets way. They did. Not going to uh, apologize for it. It uh, you know Things come out in the wash, right? And, and the, the Nuggets are certainly due, but that's a sign you're that team. Mm-hmm. When you start getting those calls, because there were many of them, there were the the two challenges could have gone either way on both of those. Yep. The Nuggets got the one to go their way. Jokic steals the tip after they win that challenge. Mm. Great play by him, but he did steal the tip. And then is it Scott Foster? Yeah, <laughs> Scott Foster, his legend. His technical foul that he calls in a one point game with twenty eight seconds left. I, I I don't know how Nick Nurse didn't. Completely loses his mind. And to some extent, he did. Yeah, to some extent, he did. And the referees were like, unless he comes out here and throws a punch, yeah. we're not calling yeah, it. because they're so heavy-handed with that, you oh kind of have gosh. the liberty to. But th- there must have been some. And, and if you didn't see it, um, it was, um, oh, my gosh, who was the Raptor rookie of the year a year ago? Uh, my God. 
why am I not remembering his name? Um, uh, Scotty Barnes. Yep. AJ just must have said like the magic words, you know, to him. Yeah, uh, but man, what are the magic words at that point? I mean, I can think of a couple, but yeah, in that league, you're probably used to hearing some stuff. So maybe it was an accumulation throughout the night because there was a lot of complaining going there, on. There was, but man, 28 seconds left in the game. Swallow your whistle. And again, it went the Nuggets it way. Did. It did. Thrilled by it. Jamal goes up, hits the tee. And I, I must have missed it. Did Barnes, Barnes must have had another tee earlier in the game because he got booted. No, I know. No, it was an auto boot. Oh. It, was, it was an auto boot. He did not. T- so you don't get to shoot the two for the two tees? You're gone? So so unless, um, and I'll double check this because I watched every possession of that game. Okay. I do not remember Scotty Barnes getting a technical. It would make more sense if he had had one earlier. Correct. And Scott Foster was just like, you know what? I've been listening to your crap all night. Yeah. And I ain't taking 28 more seconds of it. Right. Okay, right. Right. maybe. But, man, if I was the coach in that situation, I would lose my mind. Because unless he's being demonstrative, which is bringing attention to it, and everybody realizes, hey, he's showing you up. Yeah, and crossing he's, a line. And he's disrespecting you. There was none of that. Clearly, he said something. Uh, I mean, I, I think that is hard to argue. If he got booted for not saying anything, then we got a you know, Tim Donahue situation. Yeah. I don't think that's no, what's going no, on. No, no, So clearly, he said something. But I can't imagine what you would have to say in that situation, in that kind of game that's come down to that. It's turned into a free throw contest. And you're going to give the Nuggets a freebie? That was uh, <laughs> that was a head scratcher. But hey, they made all the plays down the stretch. You're they, right. They, that's they, dad strength. They did. They did. And and you know, I, I've had a rule on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Like, well, I'm just not coming in and talk about the refs. I'm just, I just, just don't do it in general. There was 20 winning plays that were totally separate from that play. Did they get an assist from Scott Foster? Yes. You led with this, and I know I don't have to tell you, but the amount of times that this these things have gone against the Nuggets. There's certain metrics that will tell you that the Nuggets have the most unfair whistle of any team in the league. Yeah. So um, they just sort of flipped that switch the way that they did in the second half against Memphis. Coming into Denver and winning is the tallest task in NBA basketball right now. They're now 30 and 4. There's not another, there's not a 29 game home winner. There's not a 28 game home winner. Coming in here and winning, they've lost four times all season. Did you know? That in two of the four games, Jokic didn't play. Yeah, they've lost twice with him in the lineup. I think they're twenty six and one in their last twenty seven home games. This tells you a little something about my luck. I you was, were at the one. I was at the loss. You were at the one. No, Wait, it was Dallas. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yep, that's right. Yeah. That's and it was right. a close game. Came down to the wire. Okay, because um, I was at one early in the season against the Pistons, but that was like that was like near Thanksgiving. That was yeah. that was too far yeah. uh, long ago. But no, coming into Denver is you're right. It is the tallest order in the NBA uh, at this point. Now, to some extent, if we're just being honest, that 30-4, and four, not now because everybody's playing everybody, but early in the season it got a little inflated because Denver was the prime spot to take a night off. I mean, there, were, there, were probably, there was probably a dozen game stretch there where there was one or two stars that sat seemingly every night for the opposition. Okay, but but and it makes sense that it is. It's it, a it, really good yep. team at altitude. Yep. you're probably on a long road like, trip, maybe back to back with Utah yeah. or something like if that. If you're going to punt a game, punt it in Denver because you're probably going to lose anyway. But I'll but I'll say this, James, we've been doing this back and forth long enough over the years where the most criticized component about the Nuggets was what they would lose the teams that they yeah. should be. Yeah, that no was doubt. that was. I, mean, I remember you and I going back and forth. They don't lose those games anymore, and and, and they and they started not last year. They had like the best record against teams below five hundred. Um, 
and they just – now when it happens, and it does happen in the NBA. Like, yeah. I watched it happen yeah. against Detroit, which is why I mentioned that. Yeah. But, you know, Cade Cunningham doesn't play. And they're like, wait, how are they beating – it's the NBA. It happens to every single team. Um, but, man, it's like once in a blue nowadays. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, I have been as critical of Michael Malone as anyone. But if I'm going to be fair, when – if I'm going to criticize him when he does things that I think – you know, or just sitting there watching a 19-point lead evaporate in Sacramento and you don't use the timeout at all, and Jokic and the rest of your starters just sit there on the bench, don't do anything because it doesn't go with your script. I'm go- I have to give him credit when I think he does the opposite. And I thought the last two games, he did a really nice job of managing the game in the second half when his team didn't play particularly well in the first half. Last night, again, they could not hit a shot. No. Could not hit a shot. No. Nope. Bruce Brown was one for ten at one point. And a lot of those were in the in the paint. He just couldn't buy a bucket. But the, just the way he, he stuck with guys and stuck with the plan, uh, clearly delivering a good message in the locker room because this is a team that did have struggles in the third quarter. Like, that was their other thing. Sure, like, sure. What are we doing out right, of the locker right. room, guys? That was and, a lot last season, yeah. Yeah, in the last two games against the Grizzlies and then last night, they're really good in the second half. So kudos to Michael Malone. He's been coaching like a guy that's going to have success in the postseason. Hopefully it carries over. But what I've seen the last two nights out of him, or last two games out of him, very encouraging. Winners of four in a row. Winners of eight in their last nine. Half a game behind Milwaukee. Half a game behind Milwaukee for the number one overall seed in the NBA. Uh, It is as good as a team as this organization has ever fielded. Ever. Oh, I don't think it's close. Ever. Ever. It's not close. And we got to go here, but I've often said about the Broncos here, I've said, hey, you could be a 60-year-old 65-year-old Broncos fan, you've never seen a worse NFL stretch than what we've been living. You could be a 65-year-old Nuggets fan and never seen a team assembled quite like this one. So uh, we'll circle back to um, the, the the Nuggets and some of the moving parts and some of the things to keep our eye on here. Uh, and there are so, a couple takeaways from last night that we will dive back into. But in the meantime, things are happening fast and furiously in the NFL. We'll catch you up on what you need to know from the last 24 hours coming up next. It's Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Things are moving fast and furious in the NFL. And we expect it to kind of continue here. So right now, if you're listening live and not after the fact on the Stokely and Zach podcast available at denversports.com or wherever you get your podcast, uh, it's about uh, 1115, between 1115 and 1120 here. The, the tag, franchise tag deadline is 2 o'clock here locally. So we quite literally will walk you up to the franchise tag deadline. We still have not heard anything about the biggest story with under that uh, – franchise tag umbrella and that's Lamar Jackson we legitimately don't know is this an exclusive tag a non-exclusive tag um your best guess as James Merrillat filling in for Brandon Stokely today well my guess is it's going to be the non-exclusive tag because I think if you go the exclusive tag you're looking at it to where you know you could go the Kirk Cousins route and use it a couple of times and force the guy to be there a couple of years Mm -hmm. but you're going to pay a ton of money hun for a guy that is probably going to be fairly disgruntled. Now, we can all say, hey, if you want to pay me, and what is the quarterback number? $35 million, $40 million? It's got to be a huge number. Yep. Because it's, what, top five? 
One of them's top 10, one of them's top five, the average. Um, you would think that kind of money, you'd probably, I'd be happy for that. Easy to say, but if you were going to get 250, it's all relative. It's all relative. So 35 is a lot of money. But 35, when you they're standing in your way of getting 250, yeah, you'd be a little ticked. So uh, I don't know that you want to go that route. I think if you go the non-exclusive, allow other teams to get, you know, get involved, you can always match it. You get some picks if they leave. At least you're not left with nothing, right? So, 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 and, and what? You, and you just kind of uh, uh, very roughly framed it, but you're, you're you're on it. And just for our audience who doesn't know, because this stuff can get convoluted. Yeah. Like the, the the non-exclusive tag with the exclusive tag. If you hit him with the exclusive tag, he doesn't have the rights to go even talk to anyone. But if you hit him with the non-exclusive tag, that actually allows him to go get other deals done with other NFL teams. If, which the Ravens haven't been able to do yet. So the Ravens could use the non-exclusive tag as almost like, go do the deal we haven't been able to get done with you. You see what your market is. And if we like that deal, we'll sign you back up to it. Yeah. And if not, they take Lamar, and in exchange, the Ravens get two first-round picks. Yeah, which would be, to me, the, the thing you have to do. Because you can't let that guy walk out of town with and get nothing you can't. in exchange. You can't. Uh, that just is... That's just. And they won't let that happen. No, that's just incompetent. That, no. That's a fireable offense. That act, it actually actually has happened in sports, though. Oh, yeah. Well, I'd be here in town. Dikembe Mutombo went and signed with the Atlanta Hawks. The Nuggets got nothing. There you go. And the, the franchise didn't recover from that until Carmelo Anthony was drafted in 2003. Very similar example in the same time period, even more high profile. Number one overall pick in 1992 out of LSU is Shaquille O'Neal. He yep. plays for the Magic for you. They go to the finals. On his rookie contract. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. His, so this guy's transcendent, and the owner of the Magic said, I am not signing up an athlete to a $100 million contract. And, like, he didn't see the future. Like, this is the way, only way it's going. And he just had a line in his head, I'm not signing him to a $100 million deal. Perfect. He walks away, goes to the Lakers, wins championships. Magic ended up with zero. That is so Lakers luck, right? Because... You have to and have so Orlando Magic dysfunction. Yeah, but you have to have somebody else be that dumb. Yep. To even open up the the door for that possibility. Now they benefit from the fact that they're the Lakers, and he wanted to make movies, and he wanted to be in L.A. and and do music and all the rest of that. So it's like, hey, once he was on the open market, that's where he was going. Yep. But he didn't have to end up on the open market, right? And the Magic allowed it to happen. That to me would be the kind of incompetence Baltimore would show here. If they didn't get it figured out, I get why they're hesitant to sign him to the big guaranteed money deal. I get it. Just the way he plays, would it shock you if eight games into it, he tears up something and he's not the same guy? Absolutely not. Because if he can't run around and move, he's not a very effective quarterback. When he can do that and his ability to throw the ball and you know teams are stacking the box because they're afraid of him running him, Running, he's as dangerous as anybody in the game. Yep. But if you take that piece away, he's a below average quarterback. Right. So you're putting yourself in a position where you owe a below average quarterback two hundred million dollars. We kind of know what that feels like. <laughs> now I don't think Russell Wilson's below below average. I think he's going to turn the corner. I think he's going to be fine. He was below average, obviously this, last, past, this year. past year. He was. Yeah. So, but we can we can get the sense. Yes. We know exactly what it feels like. Of oh my god, what if that's the case? Right. I don't think it is. The guy who's going to sit in that chair in the next show, does think it is, we're fixing to find out. But that's that's where the Ravens would be 
if something catastrophic happened injury wise, yeah, it could always happen. I get it. You can't live in you know bubble wrap world, but with the way he plays, it's more likely to happen to Lamar Jackson than to most quarterbacks. Yeah, it's it's hard to ignore. That's just a natural yeah. factor. Um, we'll circle back to the rust stuff because it's a there's. There's, there's an interesting rumor coming out of the NFL Combine. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. We'll, 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 we'll get to it. Um, just to catch you up here on some stuff that's going on here. Uh, NFL has reinstated Calvin Ridley. Okay? So, obviously, suspended year. for the, the last year. Yeah. He gets off the suspension and ends up in a better situation uh, as he's going to be with the Jags now instead of the Atlanta Falcons. Smart by the Jags. It is. It's kind of, you know... Uh, trade for him and stash him there and wait for him to come off the list. And now you got a guy who, when he was when he was right, and it wasn't just a suspension. He had some other things going on before that. He was in and out of the lineup. He had like an excused absence. He okay. sort of disappeared. Oh, from did the he Falcons. have some like a, a personal like mental health stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah, saying yeah, there yeah. were other yeah, things sure. going on. Sure. But before all of that. He's a, he was a baller. He, top ten, top fifteen receiver in yeah, the league. Probably closer to t- top fifteen. But so if he gets to that. That's a that's a really good, really savvy move by the Jaguars. It, it is. That's, that's chess instead of checkers type thing. It, it is. It is. So he's off suspension and in a better situation, which is kind of like hitting a parlay uh, for Ridley. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cowboys tagged. Uh, there was a joke in there. Cowboys tagged uh, Tony. I get it, but that was actually good. That's to- my bad. <laughs> Tony Pollard uh, with the franchise tag. What does that mean for Zeke Elliott? Not sure. But they're clearly staking their claim with with Tony Pollard. He's a better back at he this is. point. He is. I mean, if you watch the Cowboys game this year, it was it's obvious. Definitive. Yeah. I don't think you pay two backs that kind of money. I don't know that you pay one back no, that kind of money. You don't. This but is. You certainly don't pay two. It's a double down investment at the running back position. Like, yeah, and we'll we'll get into this when we start talking quarterbacks and you know backup quarterbacks and stuff. But running backs is another one of those spots. You can only play one of them at a time. Right. And I get it. They, they, you know, they, they sort of shared time, but still, it's like you can't pay two guys when one of them is on the field at a time. You can pay two edge rushers, you can pay two corners, you can pay a left tackle and a right tackle because they both play at the same time. Uh, that just doesn't make sense if for, to me in a salary cap sport. The Raiders franchise tagged uh, Josh Jacobs, so again, not ideal at the running back position. You're gonna no. make a bunch of money. That guy, if you remember, he's the leading rusher in the league, though. You can't let that guy walk out the door. Right, but but this is also not ideal. I mean, th- like, no one would say the Raiders are in a Super Bowl window, and now you got to pay your running well, back, you know, $17 bucks or whatever it's going to be. Are they if they get a certain quarterback from Green Bay? Probably. Maybe. I mean, you because you Maybe. look at it and you, you go, okay, you got Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, and uh, Devontae Adams. With Aaron Rodgers, yeah, you're squarely in a Super Bowl window. Maybe. You might be the best team in the division. They, they well, we we can talk about that, but they they've been in a Super Bowl window in Green Bay and just for whatever I, reason I'm cannot with you. figure it out. I, I'm so. with you, but actually the the franchise tag, and we'll see what the Cowboys do with with Zeke. But the franchise tag on a running back is actually the smart way to go. You're paying one year at a time, so you're paying a premium to avoid the length of the contract. See, that's actually kind of smart. See uh, if. If the alternative is a big money like Max deal, then you're yeah. probably right. But there's there's a world in between those two things, and you're, and the window for your team I think has to be right for it totally to make sense. Um, I thought the Niners, you know, trading for Christian McCaffrey, like say they wanted to sign Christian McCaffrey up again, like that would make sense. They're close Raiders, uh, okay. 
But again, leagues, leagues, leagues leading rusher. If you remember, Josh Jacobs was getting carries in the first preseason game, and people were like, "Oh, they're trying to shop him. Yeah, they're trying to trade him." He goes and leads the league in rushing. That is that is uh, winning. If you're that uh, guy is a, Josh a baller. But the year before, who was the league's leading rusher? Uh, was it Derrick Henry? It was Jonathan Taylor, and then he did. Oh, nothing, Jonathan Taylor, I think. Okay, he, if yeah, not, yeah, he was yeah, yeah, too. yeah, yeah, right. But there. that's how quickly it can just fall apart for a running back. Yeah, because he had a terrible year, couldn't stay healthy, so you never know. The uh, Jacksonville Jags tag tight end uh, Evan Ingram. He gets the franchise tag. The Chiefs will not tag left tackle Orlando Brown. Really? And yep. And a lot of players are going to be hitting the street as well. Um, Eric Kendricks, Bud Dupree, Frank Clark, Leonard Floyd, Robbie Anderson, Damian Wilson. Those are all players expected to be released. So things are getting crazy today in the NFL. We we have you covered here. We're walking you up to the uh, franchise tag deadline at 2 o'clock today uh, before the drive takes over. Um, we're going to take a timeout, but before we do, got to tell you about Superbook Sports presenting Denver Sports 5K Bracket Challenge. Here, 5K. You're not running a race. It's a race to $5,000. Now, it's not just the grand prize because the winner of each round is going to receive tickets to every concert at Cheyenne Frontier Days. That's amazing. Then the grand prize winner is going to take home 5000 bucks. It's powered by Xfinity 10G. Phil Long Ford and Twin Peaks. Register now. Get your friends or your office pool signed up today at denversports.com slash bracket. We have another report, this time from the NFL Combine, that the Broncos are quietly trying to move someone in their wide receiver room. We'll tell you who and cover it next. Kane is in the building. <laughs> Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Stokely and Zach. We have another report, this time coming out of the NFL Combine, that the Broncos are in fact trying to move one of their wide receivers. Now, we're going to dive back into this uh, overarching um, article that was written by Matthew Barry. James, you know Matthew Barry, right? I do, yeah. Uh, fantasy guru. Um, kind of a funny guy, but sort of like, you know, buttoned up at the same time. He's like very like informational based, but he does share opinions. Like he's he's got his own little lane there, I, I would yeah, describe I, it. I wouldn't call him a NFL insider, though, like Schefter or Rappaport no. or Jay Glazer, any of those guys. But he's also someone that you don't dismiss either. Like, No, I don't think he's just, you know, making it up. Right. I don't think he's getting his scoops at the chiropractor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, we have another report. We have another report coming out of the Combine from Matthew Barry who said he tries to talk to as many people as possible. That was like the preface. He's like, like, he's been around the league forever, so he knows everyone. Everyone knows him. Yeah. And he's like, I am talking at uh, the combine workouts. I'm talking at coffee shops. I'm talking at bars. I'm going out to eat. He's just gathering as much intel, just like everyone else, right? Yeah. He's just, you know, listening to the rumor mill. Yeah, listening to the rumor mill. I don't doubt that for a second. 
He says, quote, and this is on the heels of something he said about Russell Wilson, which we'll dive into at the top of the hour. He said, as long as we're talking about Denver, I'm told the Broncos are quietly shopping Cortland Sutton, not actively pushing him, but definitely trying to see if there's a trade market for him. And if they get a decent offer, they'd move him, end quote. Snapshot takeaway, James Merrillat filling in for Brandon Stokely today. No kidding. Like, yeah, of course they would. And here's why. His cap number this year, $18.2 million. Mm. Next year, 17.3, So that's what? Roughly $52, $53 million of cap space in the next three seasons tied up in a guy who's been pretty pedestrian the last two seasons. I mean, really, he's got like, what, four touchdowns or something over the course of that stretch. His numbers have not been very good. He's got four touchdowns in the last three years. Okay. And And obviously one of those was lost to injury, which is part of the equation. So he just has him in the same guy. And I tip my cap to the fact that he came back and he played less than a year later and he was out there and he was doing it even when he clearly wasn't himself. But that also doesn't diminish the reality that he's not himself. He's not the same guy. No. And if you can move on from that, if you trade him before June 1st, you take an $11.5 million cap hit this year, and that's painful in dead cap for a guy that's playing for someone else, but then it's over. So it's like, I'm going to eat the 11.5 and not have to suffer through 52, 53 over the next three seasons. I think that's an absolute no-brainer if somebody will take him, assuming Tim Patrick's coming back. But even if he's not, I mean... I just think, is Cortland Sutton a top 50 receiver in the league? Top 50? Um, There's 32 teams. Yeah, I, w- I would say he's probably, honestly, somewhere between 40 and 50. It's probably between 45 and 50. I think statistically, he's definitely in there. But I'm worried about, like, cause, because my my eye test actually don't sync up with Cortland Sutton's stats. His, yeah. his stats are actually better Agreed. than what my eyes tell me because statistically, Sutton this past year, uh, 64 receptions, 829 yards. Now, just the two touchdowns, but eight hundred over 800 yards. You know what bothered me this year? 64 receptions. You know how many targets? 109. That is not that is not a good enough percentage no. of hauling in footballs that come your way. Is that all on him? No, of course For not. For your number one receiver? Which, when he was in the game, when he was healthy, he was playing that spot. Yes, he was. Those numbers aren't as bad as I would have thought. But they're like popcorn. They're they're a little bit hollow. Yeah, in a 17-game NFL season in a pass-happy league, they're also not very darn good. It's less than four catches a game, right? Quick math. Uh, Six or five. Okay, so it's like four or five catches a game. That is so pedestrian. It's it's just not even especially for what they've got tied up in him money wise. Right, just makes no sense. If somebody wants him, you can have him. Honestly, if anybody wants to offer you anything for Cortland Sutton, it's not Cortland Sutton the player so much as it is you want to take his contract off our hands. Have at, and it's impossible to separate those two things. Because I know a certain um, um, sect of Broncos country, you know, will bristle at the idea of of trading Cortland Sutton. Yeah. But it's about the contract that you signed him up to. They this is a bad contract. I mean, oh, let's, it's a terrible. Contract. I mean, let's just say it. this is this is four years, sixty one million dollars. 
This is a you know thirty five million dollars guaranteed with a ton of dead money tied to the end of it. Like getting out of it is cost prohibitive at some point unless you're able to trade him. See, and and this is why this. So this is a quote unquote new report from Matthew Barry, but it's not a new take from at least my stance. And I'm gathering it's it's not a, 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 a new um, element for you. You're not going to be able to trade him now. We talked about this two weeks ago because Lindsey Jones actually floated out there uh, on a podcast that she heard the Broncos were quietly shopping Cortland Sutton. Did Matthew Barry talk with Lindsey Jones at the Combine, and Lindsey is sharing with him what she reported two weeks ago on a podcast? I put it in a coin flip. Yeah, so, so I mean, it certainly so, could be. So yeah, so so maybe it's maybe it's the same report. Maybe it's different. But it's I, also, if you can put two to two to, two and two together, you could come up with this. But also, if you put two and two together, you kind of arrive at the same conclusion that you and I kind of arrive with. You're not going to get some third-round pick in return no. for Sutton. It, it, could you get a sixth or seventh-round pick? Yeah, probably, probably. But 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 just go with me. because And you can't see James right now, but he's like, are you sure you can get a sixth or seventh? Just go with me. If, if you could get a seventh-round pick for Sutton, you probably just keep him. It, it, like a seventh round pick. I mean, you would just no, be I like the contract. Just get this contract out of here. Yeah, I See, move the contract because it frees up money this year, and it frees up a ton of money in twenty four and twenty five. I move the contract because can you draft somebody with one of those two third round picks? In all honesty, they can come in and if either this year or next year put up sixty four receptions for eight hundred and some yards and two scores. I'm guessing you can. Can you go find another Tim Patrick type guy who's just, you know, been undervalued somewhere else and can work his butt off and put up those kind of numbers, I'm guessing you can. I don't know that somebody's given you a sixth or seventh round pick for that contract. Maybe not. That's how bad it is. Maybe not. I think if you want to trade Cortland Sutton, you know what I think you're going to have to take? Somebody else's crappy contract. And you're going to have to be like, well, you know what? See, but at that point, you just keep them. Yeah, but it depends on the position. Like, if you've got Jerry Judy... And Tim Patrick, and Tim Patrick's coming back, and KJ Hamler. Those are your three guys, and all three of them have injury histories. By the way, so I know. Be careful. I know, but it's like, man, we gotta we gotta move either Tim or Cortland. We gotta move one of these contracts. So you kind of have two bad contracts tied up in one position because right now it's not Tim Patrick's fault, but it's a bad contract because we don't know if he can play. So you can if you can move one of those bad contracts to bring in somebody else's stinker at left guard. Yeah, at least you're filling a hole. You don't have that hole necessarily at receiver, and I don't, if, if if Jerry Judy goes down, Cortland Sutton ain't filling that void. He's See, just this not. is why this is this is this is bringing up something that I think is going to play a role in Sean Payton's frustration level towards George Payton. I want to circle back to that, and I'm making a note of it um, because it's I think it's very relevant for this coming season as we talk about like trials like a trial run yeah so we'll we'll circle back to that uh but in the meantime we got james merrillat filling in for brandon stokely today the abs are back in action tonight trying to snap a three-game skid what do we want to see tonight from these avalanche we'll take a dive into that coming up next stokely and zach on denver sports station 104.3 the fan The Avs are on a three-game skid. 
And during this skid, we we saw something that we literally hadn't seen before with the Colorado Avalanche. And that is giving up 14 goals over a two-game span. Back-to-back touchdowns. Back-to-back touchdowns. They usually are doing that to other teams. Right. But they gave up seven goals against uh, the New Jersey Devils in the middle of last week. They gave up seven goals in Dallas. And then they um, got eked out by the Seattle Kraken um, just a couple days ago. It was that Sunday evening uh, in which they, you know, better in between the pipes. But I think it was seven total shot attempts in the third period and overtime. Uh, I don't think they possessed the puck at all in overtime. They did not. Uh, so they, they're, they've lost three in a row here. And I don't want to overreact to the three-game losing streak because we've seen this before this season, last season. That's how last season started. That's how last season finished. But I also don't want to ignore it either. And it's the process, not just the result, and the process of the goaltending situation. I mean, James, we saw the fourth stringer within the last week. Yeah, we saw a guy that still had his Boston Bruins pads. Yeah. Right? He didn't have stuff that looked like he played for the Avalanche. That's who they're putting between the pipes at this point. Uh, yeah, it's a concern. It, it is definitely a concern. I go back to that Devils game, though. They were rolling. They had won six in a row. Yep. They had climbed within three points of the top seed in the West. Top seed. When from, it was from, like, hey, yeah, they may not make the playoffs. Right. And, and so, that was the segment we did. We we're like, yeah. after all this, are they going to be the number one seed? Yeah. And so it was like, all right, they're rolling along. And this is why you have to be careful about believing the spin. Because DMAC came in here the next day. I was sitting in this chair. Oh, boy. And it was, they they gave that game away. They, 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 that was an intentional loss. I'm like, what? No, they, they don't care. It's against an Eastern Conference opponent. It only matters against Western Conference opponents. It's like, that to me sounds like someone's trying to explain away an ugly game. And if they were just giving it away, they were down 5-1. Why did they battle their way back and have that thing be 6-5 until there was an empty netter late? Like, they didn't play like they were giving it away. Their goaltender did. I think that was Annan that night. Yeah. And it was like, okay, I'm not buying that because it's concer- that's concerning to me on two fronts. One, why is that the spin? Two, if it's true and you've climbed within three points of the top seed, I get it when you're playing a Western Conference opponent, there's more of a swing, but you still get two points for beating somebody <laughs> from the East. That's right. That's I mean, right. you would have gone from 73 to 75 at that point. Right. I'm no mathematician, but that's still you still go from 73 to 75 if you beat the Golden Knights. Yes, Vegas doesn't get any points either. You're giving them a loss. I understand the double whammy, but I just didn't buy that. And then after that game, hey, if they'd have gone down to Dallas and been right back at it, and then been right back at it against the Kraken, all good. Okay, fine. You've won eight out of nine. That was the throwaway game. Anandin was out there. They didn't really care. It's East Coast opponent. Not now. And that's why you don't mess with the hockey gods, lowercase g. Because if that's what you were really doing, that's how you give up another touchdown on the road against Dallas. Like, you just, to me, you just don't do those kind of things. When you're rolling, keep it rolling. It's like these people who decide to leave hit TV shows. Light, lightning struck. Why would you think it's going to strike a second time? Just write it out. Who do you think of when you say that? Well, see, I'm old. So there's a couple guys who left MASH. Okay. It was like, where did... What did Radar O'Reilly do after he left MASH? Big big nothing. Uh, but I'm dating myself with that. Who's, who's on your list? Well, you, honestly, you know who just came to my mind? Hmm. It's not an actor from a TV show. It's Bones Highland. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Like, wait, you, you wait, they draft you, fall you into you, this you're, situation. You're working here. 
you, you play 20 minutes a night for the best team in the NBA, arguably, number one seed in the West, and you're pouting your way out for to what? For what? Where? Where? To, for where? Yeah. When you're when you're on when you get the lottery ticket and you're on the right train, just stay on the train. It's going to stop at some point, and then you can decide where where you want to go. Right. But just ride that thing out, right? Like normally those things don't go your way very often in life. So once you hit one, stay on it. And to me, if you got a six game winning streak, you just keep pedal to the metal. You've climbed from may not make the postseason to we got a shot of winning the one seed because we got some games in hand because we played in Finland. Let's just keep rolling. So I don't think they did the, ah, this is a giveaway. We don't care if we win. No, no. I don't think they I, did, but I that's what I heard. No, well, well I can't, obviously can't buy that either. Um, they're they're in a, a, a mini rut here. But what I'm trying to decipher is I don't, I'm looking past the three-game uh, losing streak, okay? I think they win tonight at home against better, San Jose. San Jose stinks. They're going to win at home tonight. So I'm looking past the three-game losing streak, but I'm not looking past the conundrum in between the pipes. Here we are again. I mean, this is another year of, like, James, are we going to be coming in here and it's going to be, like, game three of the first round and we're like, who's 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 between the pipes? Because we have, like, this lukewarm feeling about whether it's Pablo Francois or Ananin or, or, or Georgiev or whatever. I mean, we went through it game by game a year ago, and it feels like we're on the fast track for those type of conversations with the season on the line again. Well, right now, if it ain't Georgiev, it's, oh, God, who's it going to be? Because when's Frankie coming back? We don't know. We don't have a specific timetable coming back from that lower body injury, but I think there's, like, this, like, sort of, like, okay, it's 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 building. It's, it's coming. Hopefully. And I, I told this to Will last week and he had the immediate rebuttal which makes sense i was like hey look if you get to the playoffs and you're relying on your backup goalie you're in trouble and he said well they did last year like i get it i just think that's the exception not the rule i mean how many times did vasilevsky not play between the pipes for tampa in their run last never never shesterkin's gonna play every game for the Rangers. every game if you're patching it together in net you better be so darn good offensively that you can win games like they won in Edmonton last year, game one, where you won eight to six. Yeah. And they were that good last year offensively. This isn't a team that keeps putting up touchdowns this year. They're just not the same group. So they're still really, really good. But if they, I don't think they're going to be able to patchwork it because Frankie had like one really good performance in that stretch. I think he played five games. He had one really and good. Weren't they like five and oh with him? They were. Yeah. He had one great performance. The other four. He was the beneficiary of winning eight, six games. Yeah. So that's not going to happen. But that's again. kind of been like the construct of this team. It's almost like, it, like if, uh, like, a, um, you know, could the Baltimore Ravens have won the Super Bowl with 10 different quarterbacks? You know, Stokely's, you know, Ray Lewis year. It kind of felt like that because three years ago, you're the cup favorite with Philip Grubauer. Yeah. Last year, you're the cup favorite with Darcy Kemper. Yeah. This year, you're the cup favorite. And it's like, it doesn't matter who you throw out there. That's been the thought. I think with their actions, I like not that they're saying that, but with their actions, they haven't they haven't addressed uh, uh, the goaltender with a heavy hand. I get it. I just think one. I think Darcy Kemper's undervalued, underrated. I think he had a lot more to do with that than people think. It's a little bit like John Elway thinking I can win with any quarterback. Look how good this defense is. When you win a Super Bowl, and Peyton Manning was not what people think he was that year. I don't think they win that with anybody. I, I, Peyton Manning did more. I know his stats were bad that year. But he did a lot to help them get that Super Bowl ring. You don't think they could have won it with Brock? 
I don't. I think Brock played a key role. Then why is your pinned tweet that you think they're going to win with either quarterback? I think on it's Twitter? that they're going to go. Uh, it's not pinned uh, anymore. Jay, oh, okay, you took it's it down now, after eight years. It's now Russ. <laughs> oh no! Oh, <laughs> I'm no. hitching my wagon to Russ. <laughs> but I, I was going to get you right there. <laughs> but it is the exception, not the rule. When you win without a, a great goaltender, yeah. That's typically an aberration. Yes. So I think trying to do that year over year, it's why the Ravens weren't wrong in moving on from Trent Dilfer. Because is that really going to work two years in a row? Right. No, just don't move on to Elvis Gerbach and then have him retire a year later. Right. But I I think it's a little bit of, they need Georgie back there and they need him playing every game. Otherwise, I think they're in a world of hurt no matter what. All right, we'll see what happens uh, tonight. It's a 7 o'clock uh, puck drop at Ball Arena against San Jose. I think they get right uh, in a major way. They play three in a row here. The Kings are good. The other, I think they've got the Sharks, the Kings, and then the Coyotes. You gotta, you gotta win all three of those. You're, out, you're at home. You gotta, you gotta put this three game losing streak behind you with three W's. Yeah, it's San Jose, the Kings, and Arizona before going on a four game uh, road trip. Yeah. Okay. Uh, quick time out here. There are a couple juicy rumors coming out of the NFL Combine relating to the Denver Broncos. What do we believe? What don't we believe? That's next.